Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Linda. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you. My name is Linda. I'm a, an anorexic, bulimic, compulsive exerciser and, uh, and your leader, your speaker tonight. Thank you, Andrea, for asking me to come out and share tonight. It's, it's truly an honor and um, I'm honored to be here. This is a really special meeting. It just feels a little strange to be talking to you through the Hollywood squares and not be in your beautiful room with all of you. And, um, and I'm feeling just a little nervous. So let me just put that out there because when I can share it, I can let it go. And uh, just waiting for God to take over so I can, I can share with you uh, my story. Um, by the grace of God and the power of this incredible program, uh, one day at a time, I celebrated 23 years earlier this year. And uh, I believe in miracles. And I believe that it's a, a complete miracle that I am actually at a healthy body weight today and that I'm completely sugar-free. Um, and that is the power of this program that, um, that I'm so grateful for. I want to take a moment to welcome all of our newcomers. Welcome, welcome. I want to invite you to stick around and stay until the miracle happens for you because it will happen. Congratulations to the chip takers. And congratulations big time to Jessica, Tracy, and Roy on your birthdays. Um, you know, I love celebrating birthdays because we get to come together and, and celebrate that we are on this path together and what a journey it is. Uh, to tell you a little bit about what it was like for me, um, I have always, as far back as I can remember, I was uncomfortable in my own skin. Um, I come from a pretty crazy alcoholic home. I was an only kid with two alcoholic parents. And like a lot of us, I suffered a lot of abuse in that home. And the emotions and everything um, really prompted me to learn a lot of survival skills that served me then and served me for many, many years. And then I outgrew them. And so that's when they continued, started to really get in my way. And my eating disorder branched out into a lot of different areas. Um, you know, I can remember just being kind of a funky eater and picking around. And when I was, when I was young, I was fortunate enough to have the opportunity to, to do some modeling. Well, then it's all about, you know, how you look and you need to have your weight low. And, um, but wanting to control my weight and wanting to control everything about me I wanted, to, I wanted to have a certain, certain way of looking so that I thought I could control, you know, whether people like me or not. And I also built a real strong false image of myself because I thought if you really knew who I was, you would never be my friend. You would never want to hang out with me. Um, I didn't like me. Um, anorexia, it goes hand in hand with a lot of self-hatred. And I did a lot of self-hatred, and I wasn't even aware of it. Um, I, I had zero self-esteem. Um, I had zero self-worth. 
Um, I can remember at one point somebody giving me a very beautiful cream and it was an expensive cream. And I had this cream and that cream was, was too good for me. I mean, it was so special that I put it away on a shelf somewhere and I wouldn't use it. I wouldn't use it because it was too good. And many years later, I found that cream and it had become rancid and I couldn't use it and I had to throw it away. And that story represents so many things in my life because I was just undeserving. And anorexia also hand, goes hand in hand with just not wanting to live and allowing the disease to take my life. Um, one example is Karen Carpenter who, who lost her life to anorexia and, uh, and, and just so, so sad. Um, you know, I remember years later, it was when I was in college, I went away to college, I started putting on weight and all of a sudden I was really having a problem fitting into my favorite all time jeans. You know, I had those jeans specially made and embroidered, right? And so um, I was really upset. I thought, oh my God, I can't fit into these jeans. And I remember one night we went out to uh, an all you can eat place and I just stuffed my face, just stuffed my face like, like a little piglet. And it was that night that my friend Debbie taught me the fine art of sticking my fingers down my throat and throwing up. And I thought, wow. That is the secret I've been looking for. And what happened for me is I would eat a lot of food. I mean, I would just binge and binge. And then I couldn't stand the feeling of what it was like to be so stuffed, so uncomfortable. I just couldn't stand that feeling. And I would have to excuse myself and go into the bathroom and purge it up. And that's what I did. I didn't consider it gross. I mean, even though it's very gross, you know, and how we talk about this, it's like so gross. And, you know, I also use laxatives. Um, I remember this was back when there was this thing called AIDS candy and we, we did the AIDS candy because it was supposed to suppress your appetite. And uh, yeah, some people did that. And I did diets and diets and more diets. Because even though I was underweight, or even though I may have been a normal weight, I always felt like I needed to lose weight. I would look in the mirror and the mirror would tell me, oh, you're fat and you need to lose weight. So it was yet another diet that I would go on. And uh, I did that for many, 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 many years. Um, the exercise was too extreme. I mean, I was running, I was doing impact aerobics, the high impact aerobics, uh, the Jane Fonda style. And, um, you know, the more I exercise, the better I feel. And I just did it to the nth degree. And um, there for a while, I mean, and I was such a gym rat. I was in the gym all the time and I would, you know, go running first and then I would go to the gym and I would do these, you know, three hour workouts in the gym. And there for a while I got involved in bodybuilding and bodybuilding it's a very narcissistic sport um, what I what it did for me though was and I think for a lot of people is that it it gives us some self-esteem by being able to change our change our bodies and change our appearance through the working out 
and trying to build muscle. But, you know, I could never build enough muscle. And, um, but it was an experience there. Um, but what I did really well was I could gain some weight because you had to gain the weight. And then I did a couple of competitions, you know, where you lose the weight. I was really good at that. I could really lose the weight. And then after the, the deal was over, it was binge on. And I ate all of my favorite binge foods. And it was just, it was crazy. Um, the working out was so insane for me. Just so insane. I, I remember uh, getting a heel spur and plantar fasciitis. So one of my feet, I was always in pain. So to go work out, to go take that high impact aerobics class, to go do the run I had to do, I'm taping up my foot so that I can do it. I'm taking, you know, whatever that we had that was like Advil at the time so that I can work through the pain and do it anyway because that's how strong my addiction was to working out. More was always my favorite word there. You know, I, um, you know, I continued on with, with this whole craziness and um, many years later, I had a roommate of mine who invited me to go to an Overeaters Anonymous meeting. And mind you, you know, my whole life was really kind of crazy. Um, I was also doing drugs to try to, well, escape life, escape my feelings. Uh, either it was through food or one of my food behaviors, uh, restricting foods, restricting certain foods, taboo foods, this, that. Um, and then I also did, um, you know, a lot of drugs, uh, recreational type drugs, and, uh, and a lot of drinking um, to excess because I did everything to excess. Um, so this roommate of mine invited me to go to an OA meeting. And, you know, my people pleasing said, okay, I'll go. And I thought, this is crazy. I'm not, this is not for me. And so I went about my ways. And um, so it was many years later, there was a little intervention on me. Um, and I was invited to go to an AA meeting. And I went to that meeting and by the grace of God, I was able to get sober. And it was two years later, this is um, 1987. I was living in Chicago at the time. And I, I thought, you know, I really do have a problem. And I decided to go to an OA meeting. And I went to that meeting. I didn't hear anything that I needed to hear at the time. There was no bulimia, anorexia discussed. And I thought, I can control this. And I really thought I could. And so the next 10 years was very, very painful as I tried to control it and I couldn't. And so in 1997, I was here living here in the valley and, uh, and I looked up where to go. And I went to a meeting and it was the first meeting where I could actually identify. And I heard the solution and I knew what to do having the prior experience. Um, and so, you know, I knew I had to get busy and I needed to work the steps and the steps have been absolutely transformational. The steps began to change me from the person who was just crazy around all the food behaviors trying to manage and control my weight. I began being honest. I got a sponsor and I started working the steps with that sponsor. And slowly but surely, things began to change for me. Slowly but surely. I began to put the big stick down. I've always carried a big stick in which I beat myself up with and um, through the self-hatred. 
I began to treat myself differently. I began to suit up and show up a bit differently. And the program began to work me. Um, there were many times I was still restless, irritable, discontent, and I knew I needed to go to more meetings. And fortunately at the time here in the Valley, there were a lot of AB meetings, we call them, the meetings that focus on anorexia and bulimia. And it was there that I could really identify with other ABs who had a similar story. But the beautiful thing is, with Overeaters Anonymous, is that the solution is all the same. The solution is through the 12 steps. And the explanation is in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. <clears throat> in the first 164 pages, it outlines how to work this program and how to find a solution. And I began to get abstinent. And one day at a time is the only way this program has worked. And I've gone to plenty of meetings. And you know, when I was traveling on the road, I would take literature with me. And now, of course, we're so fortunate that we have podcasts and everything, which is, which is just so, so wonderful. You know, what I have to do today is I need to practice acceptance. And boy, there are a lot of things that I don't like today and I have to accept. And I think, you know, we're all in that, in that situation where with this pandemic and things are so, I call them weird, you know, things are just weird at this time. Everything is a little different, no matter what we're trying to do. You know, going to meetings, thank God we have these Zoom meetings because we need to come together. We need to have the connection. We need to share with one another what is going on with us. And we talk about the solution of what to do. The big book talks about acceptance, you know, because acceptance is the answer to all of my problems today. Now I'm told by my sponsor that I don't need and I don't have to like it, but I have to accept it. And sometimes that doesn't come for me right away. Sometimes it comes gradually over time. And sometimes I have to reach out to my higher power and ask for help. Please help me to find some way to accept it because I've got to find acceptance to find some peace. And if I don't have that peace, then I don't have, you know, I, I don't have any peace around my food and it's going to spill over into the food choices I make, you know, and how I'm behaving. Um, the most important thing I do each day is I like to call it, I plug in. I plug into my higher power. You know, I like to get on my knees. I like to read a couple of readers, meditation books in the morning. And I don't know much about electricity. Maybe some of you guys know a little bit more about electricity and currents and so forth. But what I do know is the only thing I need to know is that it works. I know that when I come into a room, that if I flip the light switch, the light goes on. If I hit the clicker, the TV goes on and it works. It works so well. And the same thing is with my higher power that I choose to plug in in the morning. So for me, I like to get on my knees. And the first thing I do is I thank God for my abstinence and my sobriety today. And the two go hand in hand. And then I go on to thank God and I go through a gratitude list. And then I ask God to show me his or her will and what that is for me today. Who is it you want me to talk to? What do you want me to say? 
How can I be of service today to you and to my fellows? I do a timed meditation after that. I generally do 15 to 20 minutes. I prefer 20 minutes. I use a timer so that I'm not checking the, the clock all the time. And what happens for me during that time is I sync up with God. And that's when I stand the best chance of not only having an abstinent day, but having a good day and being able to be the best version of myself that I can be. And so I plug in each day. These are tough times, you guys. Uh, I know that everybody on this meeting is having a tough time in one way or the other. Um, for me, um, I'll just share with you that, you know, I have general anxiety. Um, I'm under a doctor's care for that. And, uh, you know, I take medication. I think I've always had anxiety coming from that home. Um, but my anxiety has been a bit worse off and on during this pandemic. It just has been. I've just felt a little more restless. And, you know, I've talked to my doctor about it. Um, and I believe that, that part of the solution is what I need to find. And that's what I've been doing is going to my higher power and turning it over and saying, God, what do I do here? You know, give me the direction, give me the guidance. How do I do? What can I do as far as doing my part? Because I've got to do my part. I can't expect God to, to perform whatever miracles. I've got to do my part. And so what I've been doing is doing more yoga. Thank God for online yoga subscriptions because I can tune into a yoga class whether I do 30 minutes and you know, with, with my abstinence today, um, uh, limited exercise time is part of my abstinence. I can do a 30 minute class. I can do an hour class. I love to go out and be with nature. Somehow that just really picks me up. Connecting with nature is like connecting to my higher power and I get to be outdoors with the sun and the beautiful land that we have with the trees and birds and flowers and everything that we have, you know, and I get to be out there, whether I'm going on a hike in my, in my neighborhood, I live in the Valley in Tarzana here, and we've got some beautiful hills around here. So I can go and walk the hills or I go to the beach. The beach is like taking a, a chill pill for me. And I've been going to the, the beach like every week. And if I don't go to the beach, I go to a park and I take my beach chair and I take an abstinent lunch, well, to the beach or to the park. And I sit there and I just tune in and I just enjoy myself and relax. And these are some of the many tools that I'm using so that I can help myself, you know? I wanna share my abstinence with you because I always forget. Um, I eat three moderate meals a day with uh, generally one to two snacks. And um, I do not eat sugar whatsoever, and I have limits on my exercise today um, so that I don't compulsively exercise because that is beating myself up, and I don't deserve to do that uh, to myself anymore. Um, so that's part of my self-care. I think self-care is an essential part of this program, is how we take care of ourselves. And as long as I've been in program, I have developed a self-care plan for myself and I've made adjustments to it and I've made other adjustments to it based on how I work with my sponsor, things that I've shared with her, 
you know, what should I do here? And she would make a suggestion. I always get great suggestions from my sponsors. Sponsors are incredible. And, um, and so, you know, I do a lot of different things today to take care of myself. Um, some of the other things I'm doing is to, to not be so addicted to my to-do list. I have always been this to-do list person, you know, making these lists and making yet another list and making a list for today and a list for this week. And I mean, you know, I have many addictions. I'm in many programs, <laughs> three different programs. And, uh, you know, some of us need more help. And it's a beautiful thing because I found what I need today. And the 12 steps are all the same. And, um, and so, you know, I try to just back off from that a little bit and tune into my higher power as far as for the guidance. Um, I try to keep my, my gratitude list close by to keep in mind what I do that I'm grateful to be able to do and what I'm grateful for in my life today. That's a 10 minute warning, Linda. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I have so many things that I'm grateful for today. So many things. Grateful, number one, for this program. The number one thing on my gratitude list each and every day, without a doubt, is my abstinence. It comes before my husband, comes before my, my cats, my kids, my cats. Um, it comes before anything in life, any jobs, any fabulous, wonderful things that I own or whatever it is. But my abstinence is number one. In each and every day, I do things to keep myself abstinent. There's a saying in AA where they say, you can't stay sober on yesterday's shower. Well, I can't stay abstinent on, on yesterday's recovery. It's what I'm doing today is that what really, really counts. Um, you know, I love that we do one day at a time. Um, you know, one day at a time is all I have to do. If I find myself spending way too much time worrying about tomorrow, next week, next month, I need to just drop it and get back to today. Because what I'm doing is I'm just giving all my power away and I'm missing opportunities to enjoy the sunlight of the spirit in today. And if I have any resentments or anger or something like that that comes up, again, I'm missing the sunlight of the spirit. And I'm just missing great parts of the day. Those are calls to action for me. If I've got a resentment, I need to take care of that. I need to get into the big book. Page 552 tells me how to handle that resentment. I had a resentment that came back this week. And so I'm doing that resentment prayer again every day for two weeks. The anger that comes up, I can't afford to keep it. I'm gonna eat over it, I'm gonna binge over it. I don't wanna go there. I've got to let it go and find a way to let it go. I love being of service in this program. Um, you know, I sponsor women. I'm so grateful for the sponsees that I have today. They teach me and help me just as much as I'm able to help them. It really goes two ways. And sometimes I think they help me more than I help them. And I'm really, really grateful for that. Um, another thing that I've been doing uh, for many years is uh, doing meditation workshops and teaching meditation. And I've really enjoyed that. It's one of the things that I have been able to do with Zoom. And, um, you know, I'm really grateful for that opportunity. You know, ever since I started 
teaching meditation and doing workshops, guess what? It's helped my meditation practice. And that's a beautiful thing because meditation is such an important part of my abstinence. I'm just so, so grateful for that. I'm really grateful that, um, you know, I love to travel. I love to travel and I, I do a lot of traveling. I travel for my work for many, many years. Um, earlier this year, I was able to take a bucket list trip and I went to Antarctica. And it was in January before the pandemic. So there was no talk about the pandemic at all. And I was able to go and spend two weeks on that trip. And I'm so grateful that I had that. It's like, yeah, I'm not traveling now and I don't know when I'm gonna travel, but I'm grateful that I had an opportunity to travel earlier this year. And I know that in the future, there will be other opportunities to travel. And I know there will be opportunities for each of us to do some of the things that, we, that we're dreaming about, that we long to do or long to get back to doing. There will be those times. And sometimes I just allow myself when I'm sitting at the beach or wherever to think about the things that I want to do and get back to doing because that gives me hope because this thing isn't going to go on forever. Now, I don't know how long it's going to go on, but it's not going to go on forever. And at one point, we are going to be able to resume our lives and we are going to be able to come back and be in person and experience the hugs and the connections that we so, so much need. One of the most important things I believe that we need here is connection. This is a WE program. And I know without a doubt that I could never, ever get abstinent or stay abstinent without the WE in the program, without the help from you guys. Because there are some days I come to a meeting and I need to hear the hope. I need to hear that hope from other people who have it. And so we pass it back and forth. And those that have hope share the hope. But we need the connections. As human beings, we are not meant to be alone. We are not meant to isolate. This is a disease of isolation. And we can't afford to isolate. You know, it's important that we pick up the phone, that we share with one another, even to pick up the fungal hey, how are you doing today? What's going on? And to be able to sit and talk. You know, it's amazing how well this program works. You know, and it works as long as I work it. But no matter what's going on, and no matter what's not going on, I know that my job is to focus on the gratitude list. And as long as I continue to focus on the gratitude list, I get to focus on what I do have and not start looking at what I don't have today. Because the more I focus on what I do have, it lifts me up. It lifts up my spirit. It helps me to feel better. And we all need to feel better. And by reaching out and talking to someone else on the phone, I get to help them feel better. You know, and it works so much hand in hand this program is so, so powerful. I will be on this journey as long as I live, one day at a time. It has saved my life. It has saved my life. And if you're new, I invite you to stick around here 
find some people that you like talking to and talk to them on a regular basis. Keep coming back to meetings. We are very fortunate to have these Zoom meetings. I've been able to go to meetings all over the place. I mean, I went to meetings where I first sobered up down in Austin, Texas. I've gone to meetings in Hawaii. and I've been going to this meeting where all these people internationally or from all over are coming out of this meeting. And how lucky are we to take advantage of this? So we've got to take advantage of what we do have today. And what we don't have, it'll come back. So I am so grateful for my abstinence today and grateful for each and every one of you for being here tonight, being here to support each other on our one-to-one -one day, back-to-back, one-day-at-a-time, easy-does-it program of Overeaters Anonymous. Thank God for OA. Thanks for letting me share. I think there are a few minutes left um, if there might be some questions. Linda, thank you so much for your share. And I think we have time for one quick question. If you'd like to ask a question of our speaker, please go to the participants section and raise your blue hand. See if you can take one fast question. I don't see a hand. We do have a hand. Leslie. You unmute yourself and ask your question. Hi, yes. Hi. Um, can you just touch a little bit on um like connection to higher power? I know you did um a little bit, but just how it's evolved and how you um, bring it in day to day. Well, it's evolved a great, great deal because I at first I really had a problem with the higher power because I had had church thrown down my throat. And uh, so I was very reluctant. And then I was very reluctant to trust my higher power. So, excuse me, it came very, very slowly over a period of time for me. And more and more and more, I've been able to give things to my higher power that I choose to call God today. But it's happened very slowly. Um, it's happened with the bigger things. And then the smaller things I would want to keep, you know, keep close to me. But it has evolved over the time. And I have supplemented my reading with, with spiritual books, uh, with whatever seemed interesting to me at the time. I would reach for it and I would read it. And somehow over time, what happened for other people seemed to be possible that it could happen for me too. And those books led me to trust God more and to build a faith that I have today. And my faith is very, very strong today, that I trust God with everything. And it's God that keeps me abstinent today, one day at a time. Perfect. That's time.